0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineup Podcast. First of all, uh, apologies that it's uh, rather late in the week to get this out, uh, given all the uh, action that went on last weekend. Um, But unfortunately I was sick uh, for the beginning of the week, so I didn't really think people wanted to listen to me coughing and hacking and sneezing and spluttering. So uh, I've had to wait till today where... uh, as you do, have got both my voice back and uh, my sinuses under control, so many apologies for that, um, but yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, this weekend, uh, this sorry, this week, uh, we're just going to do a very quick sort of, almost like a speed dating trip through uh, all the internationals that took place this weekend. I'm not going to go into a huge amount of depth. Um in terms of stats, but just some of the things that struck me about uh, those games. So uh, we'll do that, and then the other thing that uh, it was funny. I was with a bunch of friends uh, at Hemingway's in Toronto, and we were uh, watching the games unfold. And you know, there were some interesting upsets this weekend. And uh, it was kind of funny. We looked at the 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 four countries that participate in the rugby championship. Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, and South Africa, and the Six Nations. And because we kind of saw some upsets this weekend, we came up with what we uh, kind of coined our vulnerability score. Um, And where those teams all kind of, we feel, uh, sit in terms of how vulnerable are they to, say, a big upset uh, next year at the World Cup. it's not based overly uh, on on any kind of science per se or statistics. It was more just a, a general general banter that we kicked around the table of of you know how we thought of those ten teams who would be more likely to experience an upset in the pool stages of the World Cup. So if we looked at uh, the four rugby championship countries. It was interesting the two countries uh we didn't feel that were overly as i say we we scored these countries out of out of 10 and if you got uh, a high mark out of 10 that means you're more likely to be vulnerable to an upset and if you got a low mark then less so so the two countries that we thought are probably not likely to uh experience an upset given their pools uh, are New Zealand, they scored 3 out of 10, and South Africa, 3 out of 10. Uh, the two countries from the Southern Hemisphere we did think that that could be uh, susceptible to, to a Nuts upset uh, were Australia and Argentina. We both ranked them 7 uh, out of 10 on our vulnerability scoring. And if you look um, at the pools next year in the World Cup, um You know, we certainly feel that in Argentina and Australia's pools, um, there's, you know, there is some room for for an upset. Um, You know, Australia got upset by uh, um, Italy uh, on this uh, Autumn Nations series. And Australia, um, as I say, they got upset by Italy. South Africa didn't really come a cropper against anybody. Um, Their game, their loss to uh, France and uh, Ireland were were very, very tight. And then obviously they kind of blitzed through uh, Italy, although they did struggle a little bit in the beginning. But um, if you look at their pools um, for Australia and Argentina, um, you know, they, Argentina, they've got a team, teams like Japan and Samoa. Um, and, you know, given that, Argentina can be, you know, brilliant one week and then not so sharp the next week. You know, possibly some more Argentina, uh, Japan could cause an upset there. For Australia, I think definitely um, they've got, um, you know, Fiji and Georgia in their pool. And given the way Fiji are playing and also uh, with Georgia's historic win over Wales, who knows? Um, And then looking at the Six Nations competitors, um, our scorings there were for the countries that we felt were were relatively safe uh, from an upset are France, Ireland, uh, and England. France, we generally think are the side least likely to experience an upset in the pool stages. Uh, They scored 2 out of 10, which is pretty impressive um and then ireland we thought scored uh three out of ten so them looking pretty good but also england five out of ten now england you know because you know they did lose to to uh argentina the beginning of this autumn nations series um but you know france certainly in their pool i can't really see namibia uruguay or italy upsetting france um and for ireland in their pool you know, maybe Tonga is a banana skin. I, I don't think so. Um, and, you know, a defeat by Scotland wouldn't necessarily per se be an upset. I mean, Scotland are a good side. Um, so there you have it for those two. But for, for England, you know, given their wobble against Argentina, um, given the group that they have, now they did dispatch Japan pretty impressively. Um and I don't think they're, they would really see Samoa as a threat. but Yeah, maybe with the Japanese if they have an off day. But I think for the most part, with a score of 5 out of 10, I think it's, it's less likely that that England are going to experience an upset. And if, you know, they did lose to Argentina again, you know, it's a bit like Ireland and Scotland. Given where Argentina are ranked, that's not per se an upset. Um, but the countries that I do think uh, are vulnerable um, – are uh, Italy uh, to an upset and uh, Scotland and Wales. Now, Italy in their group, um, Namibia. I don't really see an issue there, but Uruguay could be a banana skin for the Italians. Uh, but we scored the Italians seven out of ten, so we're not we're not that convinced. Especially the way if Italy keep developing and playing the way they are. That they're in for an upset by somebody like Uruguay, but there is a risk there. Um, Scotland actually scored the best; they only scored six out of uh, six out of ten. So we think they're relatively unlikely to experience an upset from either Tonga or Romania. But Tonga could be a banana skin if they're if they're not careful. Uh, unlikely, but possibly. But Wales definitely, I think you know after that loss to Georgia, and Wales do have Georgia in their pool. Also, you know, look at the way Fiji are playing, you know, uh, the whales do look vulnerable in their pool, definitely for sure. So yeah, that was just a fun little exercise that we kind of went through as we were all sitting at the table and speculating about next year. And like I say, it doesn't have a great deal of basis and scientific fact or statistics, but, uh, yeah, it did, did seem to spark a little bit of healthy debate amongst us and, uh, Yeah, it's just some interesting speculation. We shall see. But anyway, enough of speculation. And what really happened last weekend? Well, the weekend got off to um, a start with the Rugby World Qualifier. And The big news there is that the Portuguese knocked um, the USA out of uh, the World Cup. So yeah, there will be no North American representation at next year's World Cup. In France, uh, Port- Portugal managed to uh, draw with the U.S. And because they had a two-point uh, points difference going into uh, that match, uh, a positive two-points uh, points difference over the Americans, all they needed was a draw. And there you have it. The rest is history. Um, you know, I, I got to admit, I wasn't overly impressed with the Americans. I think they looked... Kind of lethargic uh, and just I got the sense that Portuguese uh, Portugal was the more driven side. Uh, what's going on with U.S. rugby? I don't know. But, yeah, it's definitely not a good advert for, uh, for the game in this part of the world and especially with the U.S. Uh, hosting the World Cup after uh, the next one in Australia after France is done next year. So, yeah, a lot of work to do for the Americans and the Canadians. Uh, I think domestic structures have to be overhauled. I think uh, management of the national teams has to be dramatically overhauled. I think in both the U.S. and Canada's case, uh, I think a change of coaches is uh, in, the, in the pipe uh, for both sides. But we shall see. But, uh, yeah, so that was how that unfolded. And then for the Autumn Nations series itself, well, uh, we had that match against, uh, between Italy and South Africa. Got us started on Saturday morning. Uh, Great start. Uh, Great start from the Italians. Uh, Really, really promising. Uh, And, you know, at 45 minutes, it was uh, only the South African front by two points at 18 to 16. Uh, but, yeah, some fantastic performances. Obviously, Ange Capuzzo again, uh, the, the Italian fullback, I mean, just really, really impressive from him. But, uh, you know, in the second half, South Africa pulled away very, very comfortably, and the rest was, uh, was history. So, yeah, a good showing from South Africa. They'll be, feel pretty pleased with that. I thought particularly uh, Willie LaRue had a, another really good game. And I think, you know, in this one song of his career, he is looking really, really impressive. But, yeah, certainly a very impressive performance from Capuzzo for for Italy. And, you know, not a particularly flattering scoreline at the end for Italy, but lots of positives to take away from it. Uh, And in general, a good autumn nations campaign. Next, we had up the big surprise on the weekend, and in some ways, I don't think it overly was a surprise. Uh, Wales are not playing well at all at the moment. Uh, there's no getting away from that whatsoever. Uh, Georgia were up up for this, and you know, increasingly over the the years, Georgia's been a really really tough opponent for for the Welsh. And you know, there's always been that sniff of these guys could be in with an upset, and sure enough, uh, that's precisely uh, what they did. Uh, very, very impressive. You know, it kind of looked like it was going to be all about Wales uh, as, you know, there was no change out of the scoreline uh, that was established at uh, uh, on the 24th minute of 12 to 3. Uh, but then, you know, the Georgians just created some magic of their own with a, a phenomenal try like that Place kick uh, for Alexander uh, Toddua to score in the corner, just phenomenal. And all of a sudden, it's you know the 60th minute. It's 12-8, and then the rest of the game was all about Georgia. Just really, really impressive. Uh, you know, really impressive performance. Uh, they deserved every inch of that. Wales just couldn't seem to get themselves into into the match. Uh, so, yeah, and, you know, Georgia played to a lot of their physical strengths, but also great to see them with such a positive attacking game. So good for them. I think Wales will feel pretty happy about uh, the debut for uh, Jack Morgan uh, at uh, on the, uh, in the back row, scoring two tries. So that will give them some solace. But, yeah, ahead of a very tough encounter this weekend with... Uh, with Australia, uh, both sides reeling from injury. This one could go either way, but Australia uh, and uh, Wales, I don't think, are feeling overly optimistic about this autumn nation series. And Wales in particular, it's been a rough year for them. And, you know, already the knives are out for Pivak. I mean, this this weekend's game against Australia is critical for him to salvage something from this season. Um, South Africa, obviously, themselves, they, they've they got a very tough encounter up against England this weekend. Um, so we shall see how they get on. Next up was Scotland-Argentina. Uh, Scotland ultimately coming away with a pretty comprehensive win over the Argentines. But it was a fantastic game. Uh, really intensely physical, emotionally intense, a lot of handbags going on, a lot of emotion. Uh, as a result, you know, kind of messy. And I will say that I was very disappointed to see the Scottish captain, Jamie Ritchie, uh, getting really heavily involved in one of the brawling sessions. Unfortunately, as captain, he's got to be able to distance himself from that. So, you know, that wasn't necessarily a good look. But uh, certainly, you know, Finn Russell, I think has laid down the marker um, in these last two tests of just how important he is to the Scottish side. He had an incredible game, I thought. Um, and, yeah, I think the debates about, you know, his role in the squad now leading up to uh, the Six Nations and the World Cup is, is just simply not up for discussion. Another phenomenal performance from Darcy Graham and Duane van de Merver, but also uh, Sione Tupiloto at centre looked really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, exciting times for Scotland. Nice to end their their nation series with, with a really positive win. But, you know, good stuff from Argentina again. Unfortunately, they came out the wrong side of the scoreline. Uh, red card went to Marcus Kramer. Uh, not up for negotiations, sorry. Uh, felt bad for him. Um, but there was no disputing that that was a red card offense. Um but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't an awful game from Argentina. It was just kind of a bit sloppy um, and scrappy. And I think maybe the end of a long, hard season saw them kind of tired. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think they they just couldn't cope with uh, uh, the, the, old, uh, the old magic quota from uh, Finn Russell, who, again, like I say, had, I thought, a really, really good game. But, you know, Argentina will end their season... Feeling pretty good going into next year uh, and the run-up to the World Cup. Then we had England, New Zealand. And as predicted, uh, as everybody said, that was the game of the weekend. It didn't look like it was going to be the game of the weekend. Uh, let's face it, uh, up until the 70th minute, it just looked like England, uh, sorry, New Zealand, we're just going to run away with it, um, you know, with the scoreline. At twenty-five to six, and then yeah, that last ten-minute com- comeback by England was the stuff of legend- legends. Uh, three score, uh, three tries in nine minutes, one every three minutes, just outrageous. Uh, New Zealand saw a yellow yellow card to uh, Bowden Barrett. Um, you know, I think that's one thing they will not feel uh, overly happy uh, with the amount of penalties they conceded. Fourteen penalties for New Zealand. That's a bit of a coach killer. Uh, England as well, though, will not be happy with their penalty count because that was really costing them early in the game at 15. So, uh, yeah, but a very telling uh, yellow card for New Zealand in the 70th minute. And then with New Zealand with 14 men, England turned the screw. And, you know, it's like all the commentators were saying, where was that England performance in the first Seventy minutes, uh, and that's something that England really needs to address uh, ahead of the game against South Africa this weekend and going into the World Cup. Uh, I felt really sorry for Jack Van Portfleet at uh, scrum half. You know, that, especially that pass that was intercepted by uh, Dalton Papali, who had a who had a stormer of a game for New Zealand and caused England huge amounts of difficulty. Um, like a real yeah really really difficult uh made life really really difficult for uh England and uh it was interesting when papa lee went off now admittedly it was the same time that uh that they got the red card um uh, sorry that new zealand got the the yellow card england uh, england's fortunes changed dramatically like it was almost like if there was one player who was really wrecking any kind of fluidity that England was trying to develop. It was Dalton Papali. But But, um, yeah, I think in that that final cameo 10 minutes, there was some phenomenal performances from England. Um, you know, uh, the prop, Will Stewart coming on, scoring two tries in the space of nine minutes. That's phenomenal. David Ribbons, uh, what an impact off the bench. Like, just huge. Uh, that offload uh, that he made um, to uh, set up uh, Freddie Stewart's try, just just stuff of legends. Um, I think yeah, uh, England want to get him involved in their plans for the, the World Cup and the Six Nations and get him involved fast. Very, very impressive debut from him. And he looked good last weekend as well. Uh, so great to see from him. Uh, really good from Guy Porter, um, I thought as well. And here's an interesting question. Manu Tuolagi seems to be perceived by Eddie Jones as the great future for uh, England. I'm sorry, in all the games I've seen in this autumn nations, beyond average. Whereas Guy Porter came on and all of a sudden, oh, now here we go. So I'm sorry. I noticed that, you know, Eddie Jones is stuck with Manu Tuilagi against South Africa, but I'm sorry. I've just I'm just not seeing the hype. I'm just not getting it. Um so yeah, obviously Eddie Jones perhaps knows a lot more than, than I do, but I just don't understand the fascination with Tuolagi. I think he's not necessarily at his best. He's injury prone. And I think teams know how to how to manage him so yeah i mean now that i want to diss the guy i mean it's not a critique of him but i'm just i'm just not seeing the fascination with tuolagi uh that and why jones is pinning his hopes and you know everybody applauding him as he's one of the world's top three rugby players end of argument i just not seeing it and no offense to him uh jack Noel, i thought pretty weak um you know i think england needs another option on the wing um, and yeah, I'll be interested to see, uh, what they do in, in that respect. But yeah, like I said, I really like the look of Guy Porter, uh, Freddie Stewart. I cannot sing that man's praises enough. thought, uh, Johnny May had a good game. I thought the Owen Farrell, uh, Marcus Smith access worked pretty well. Uh, elements of England's back row still doesn't work. Although I thought Sam Simmons had a good game. So Yeah. Uh, But for New Zealand, yeah, I think their their biggest danger weapon uh, against England in that match was Dalton Papali. I mean, what an effort from from him. So, yeah, we'll see. As for the actual result, uh, a lot of people feel, and I tend to agree, I think, you know, while everybody knows what New Zealand can do, even with 14 men, I still think England could have tried to go for the win you know, they had England under the pump and I think going for a win is a statement of intent about next year. I understand why they perhaps didn't, and I'm not being overly critical of Smith, but I think, um, like a lot of people, I was disappointed that they didn't chance their hand, uh, because even a narrow loss would have still made a huge statement. And I think they, they could just have pulled it off. All they needed was to keep possession pressure, uh, England sorry New Zealand into a, a disciplinary error kick at the posts their kicking was good uh at the weekend and there you have a there you have a win to really set you up for next year and against a tough game with South Africa this weekend so we shall see uh those are just my thoughts Ireland Australia were up next I thought that was a pretty dour game um I thought from Ireland they underperformed quite dramatically in my opinion The only guy who really stood out for me was Kalen Doris at number eight. The rest of it, and and I would also say Tad Byrne uh, uh, in the second row, as he always does, just really stood out during this Autumn Nations campaign and increasingly throughout the year. Um, And certainly Josh van der Fleer gave it a good go. But I thought overall... Um, you know, Ireland looked a bit lumpy. And again, it begs the question. They were playing without Sexton. Um, you know, I thought I thought that uh excuse me. I thought that uh Jack Crowley stood up and I thought he he countered himself well. I think, you know, Ross Burns showed a cool nerve to slot the winning penalty at the end when he came off the bench. But there's no question about it. You know, Ireland without Johnny Sexton are just not a firecracker team. They're an efficient and capable team. But uh, are they that that extra team in the same vein as France or, or New Zealand? No, I, I don't think so. And, you know, somehow between now and October 28th, if Ireland are serious about winning the World Cup, they have to get Johnny Sexton... Um, through two tough pool games uh, and then uh, three knockout games. On top of that, there's the Six Nations just around the corner, uh, which they're no doubt going to, to play him in some of the bigger matches, plus a Leinster URC campaign and a Champions Cup campaign. Uh, you know, you're banking a lot on one guy to pull it off. And, you know, I say Ireland without Johnny Sexton are just you don't feel that they're, they're that that world champion team. So we shall see. Concerns for Ireland heading into next year, especially as we've we've seen pretty lackluster performances without him on the pitch. For Australia, uh, man, the discipline, guys, you've got to fix the discipline. It's a it's a it's a joke. Uh, I think we all kind of lost count of the number of neck rolls Australia committed. Uh 12 penalties. Admittedly, Ireland had 12 penalties as well. They weren't doing particularly well. But, you know, Australia just kept giving away stupid penalties and a yellow card. Um, they've got to fix that. That's gotta be Dave Rennie's biggest headache going into the run-up to the World Cup next year. Uh, on a side note, I agree with a lot of people, and I'm I guess because it's a personal cris crusade of mine, uh, player welfare. Uh, Poor old Nick White, um, you know, gets two uh, pretty hefty blows to the head in that match. One of them, he is clearly dazed, unstable on his feet. Somehow he goes back, gets an HIA, passes it, comes back on, gets another head knock. And I just, I'm sorry. I don't want to see that. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the thing that I would I would use, if, if you've had a, a knock like that to the head where the, the doctors are concerned and you get sent off, I think we actually have to skip the HIA. I think if you've had that, you've got just got to keep the player off the field. And I certainly think in, in Nick White's case, he should have been kept off the field. And, you know, there was a, a lot of debate on, on shows after the game and people saying, oh, well, you got to trust the doctors. But I think the most telling comment came from Rob Kearney, the ex-Ireland fullback. And, you know, he says, I worry about what might you know, all the injuries I've sustained in my rugby playing career. Am I going to find out in 10 years' time I've got dementia? You know, he says, and that uncertainty right now, worries players and i think we have to look after them a bit better so yeah in short i don't want to go on about it too much but i think nick white should have been taken off the field and kept off the field and i really hope in light of that rugby world rugby really cracks down on it and comes up with a better solution so that was that and then our last game of the weekend was france japan pretty comprehensive win by france ending what's been just an absolutely stellar year for them just wind machines not always spectacular i would say definitely this year there's been less of the razzle dazzle and more of a quiet and rather ominous efficiency about them um heading into next year's run up to the world cup so yeah uh, i think you know with france I don't think there's anything really to worry about. I think they're, you know, they're not, they're not blowing it all out of the park just yet because they don't need to. They're watching injuries. They're managing their team well. Uh, they've got ridiculous depth of fly half, probably better than any other team heading into uh, the World Cup next year. Um, and that's going to be key, absolutely key. So yeah, I think I think France can end the year feeling, like I say, very quietly confident about next year. Not an autumn nations campaign that blew us out of the water. Um, there wasn't too much magie francaise, if you like. But I say it. It there was a lot of very uh, capable, calm composure and quiet efficiency about France, and it's no bad thing to have really strengthened those qualities. Uh, ahead of a global showdown like the World Cup in less than a year's time. So yeah, I think France can feel pretty happy. Um, And Japan have been competitive. I don't think they have too much to worry about either. Uh, They're probably where they should be at this stage in in their development uh, and build up to next year's World Cup. So that's it. I will try and get a a piece out on the blog uh, tomorrow. Uh, But I say it's been kind of busy and getting sick of the first couple of days with this cold. This week hasn't helped, so I will do my best. Um, but certainly lots to look forward to this weekend. URC resumes and those two big games, Wales and Australia, England and South Africa, all on Saturday. Eight fifteen Eastern, 15 Eastern for Australia, Wales, ten thirty for South Africa, England. Uh all that's all Eastern and they're all on Dazzin, Premier Sports Asia, and Flow Sports Rugby. So that's it for me this week. Hope this finds everybody safe and well, unlike me. And take care, and we will talk to you soon.